Thank you so much, Heath. Again, happy Easter, Acts Church Leander. Hallelujah, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. It's good to be with you guys. We're going to start off with just a little bit of prayer, and then we're going to dive into today's message. You guys pray with me. Lord God, you're good. Lord God, uh, Easter is an exclamation point. Not only on how good you are, not only how you truly are that superhero who rescues us from danger, but Lord, that you set us on a path of new life. Lord, I pray that as uh, we again encounter Easter, whether it's for the first time or the 20th time or the 80th time, Father, Lord, that you again open our eyes to who you are and what you are doing. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Again, it's good to be with you guys today. Let's see if I can take control here. We are starting a new series. Easter is kicking off a new series of new life. And, and for the next four weeks, what we're going to be doing is seeing how when people encounter Christ, he brings new life into their world. New, new types of communities, new, new types of relationships, new types of way to relate to God, and, and new types of way to relate to each other. But we're also connecting this to Good Friday. And I mentioned this on Good Friday a few days ago, that uh, these holidays for me are a little bit tough because I do them over and over and over again. And the last thing I want to do is just mail in an Easter sermon. I'm pretty sure like there's a special place, like not in heaven, not in hell, not in purgatory, but there's like a little like sub-corner of pastors who like mail in services on Easter. It just seems like a bad idea in general. Uh, so trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to look at this with fresh eyes? And so what we're doing is we are connecting... Easter and Good Friday, and we're actually going to be looking through the lens of the disciples of what their Good Friday and Easter look like. And so this is going to be a bit of a previously on Days of Our Lives Disciple Edition, right? And if any of you, like me, uh, when growing up and would get sick and you got stuck at home, right, like the Price is Right was like the highlight of being stuck at home, right? Like 11 a.m., Bob Barker, anyone else remember that, right? But then around that, there was nothing on TV other than soap operas, right? And soap operas, love them, hate them, uh, what do they call them in Britain? Uh, my shows, I think is what it's called, or something like that. Anyway, uh, there's just a bunch of hot mess, right? Uh, I saw a meme the other day, I'm not a hot mess, I'm a spicy disaster. But that's really what's going on in the lives of the disciples. Jesus doesn't pick out, like, the best of the best, Right? He doesn't seek out those who have all their life together. Instead, what we see in the lives of the disciples are people who are broken, are people who are wrestling with things. And certainly the three that we're going to focus on today that we started on Good Friday and saw their experience and now into Easter, Mary, Peter, and John, they were all kinds of hot messes. They were all kinds of spicy disasters. And yet Jesus encountered them, redeemed them, made them promises. They went through Good Friday thinking literally everything had gone to hell. And then they saw the power in the resurrection on Easter. And so it starts with Mary the outsider. Right? We don't know a ton about Mary, but most of what we do know comes from Luke chapter 8. And Luke is recounting the mission and the team of Jesus. And he's talking about the apostles. And he's talking about how Jesus came to bring the gospel, this good news that God's kingdom, God's reign, God's agenda was here on earth. And it brings up Mary Magdalene. And Magdalene 
is literally Mary of Magdala. It was a city in Israel, so it's like Josh of Cedar Park or, you know, Rick Maslink of Round Rock, right? Mary of Magdala, Mary Magdalene. And what we find out is that she had seven demons inside of her. And we don't know a lot about demonology. We don't see that a lot in America. I actually talked to one of the counselors, and I'm like, you want to take this one? And she's like, nope, nope, leave me alone, right? But demons, being possessed by demons, the easiest way to think about it from a visualization is mental illness. And we know what that looked like through the Gospels. And so they couldn't control their words. They oftentimes would get violent, and they would blasphemy constantly. So this is for better or worse, think of the person that you might see under a bridge when you're driving downtown, talking to themselves, dirty. And the blasphemy thing is important because one of the Ten Commandments was you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And so a person who is possessed by demons is literally counter to God. So why would you want them at temple? Why would you want them around? I don't want any of this. Whatever you have, I don't want to be contaminated by to be possessed not by one but by seven demons guaranteed that Mary did not have community. And on top of that, Mary, she was a woman. And in ancient times, women had way less rights than they do now. And by all rights, she wasn't married as well. So we have an unmarried, possessed woman that Jesus comes into the life of and heals her. Right? He plays superhero. And that would be enough, right? You're healed. Good luck. Peace out. That's not what Jesus does. Instead, Jesus invites Mary to follow him, invites Mary to be a part of the mission of this promise that the good news, that God's agenda was here for his people, for this earth. And he says, Mary, I want you to be a part of it. Mary, you who have this past and this brokenness that some people might say disqualify you from the kingdom, he says, Mary, I want you to be a part of my team. I want you to be a part of of my agenda. And Mary sees Jesus do miracles, and Mary sees Jesus find the outsiders in communities, whether they have leprosy, whether, whether there's divorce, whether there's, there's physical illness, and Jesus again and again and again, he brings them into community, and Mary is seeing all of this, and she's like, this is amazing, and then Mary is there in Palm Sunday, and everyone's singing, Hosanna, the son of David, the superhero we had all been waiting for. And then Mary was there when the, the nation turned on Jesus. Mary was there when her hero, when her superhero was rejected. And she went to the cross. She watched all of her dreams be nailed, be executed. That was her Good Friday. And, and Mary cared so much so that even in his death, Mary wanted to help take care of Jesus. This is from John chapter 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. We know from other scriptures that all Mary wanted to do was give Jesus a proper burial. Even in death, she wanted to respect him. Even in his final act here on earth, she wanted to go and serve him. But her Easter morning, it starts in despair. The day before would have been Saturday, that would have been Sabbath, which would have been a command for all of them 
as good Jewish Israelites to not go out. They spent a day mourning and reflecting on Jesus. But early in the morning, Mary gets up, and she's like, first things first, I'm going to take care of the body of my hero, of the one who saw me, who brought me into community. And she gets there, and she realizes that the stone has been moved, and she is freaking out. And we know from other scriptures, other women were with her. So she sends the other woman back to the apostles. And we'll get to Peter and John in just a couple minutes. But she sends them out. And then she goes to the tomb and she's just disoriented. Like any of us would be. Not no longer just disheartened. Now she's in despair. She can't even do the final thing she wants to do. She just wants to take care of the body. And that's where we get her scripture in John 20. If you guys got your Bibles with us, that's going to be uh, 1380. We're going to be hanging out a lot in John 20 today. I just want to read this to you, though. We're going to start in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she went into the tomb. Now she sees two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, well, woman, why are you crying? At this point, she can't know that they're angels right? She's still thinking, okay, two people are here. Maybe they took his body. And she says, well, they've taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put them. At this, she turned, and this is a miracle, right? And saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, well, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Gardens into graves. All right, that's Genesis. This is the turn from graves back into gardens. Jesus was put in a tomb where there were plants, where there was life. And something starts to change. Verse 16, and Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I, as- I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary, the outsider, encounters Jesus at the tomb turns into a garden. Mary, the outsider, the one who had been living under the bridge, who was talking to herself, who was outside of community, who Jesus had brought in, Mary, the one who had seen her savior, her superhero die, now sees her her hero alive, and he says, I'm going to my father, and Mary, I'm going to your father. Going to my God, and I'm going to your God. This is what new life is. And there is something powerful that the first person Jesus shows up to is this outsider. The first person Jesus makes his announcement, I'm back. And all that stuff that I promised, it's still there for you. Jesus showing up to Mary as an outsider cement what his kingdom, what his agenda is all about. So if you've ever felt like an outsider, if you've ever felt that your past 
or specific things about you disqualify you from God's love, let me affirm with the exclamation point of Easter, no, God's kingdom, God's agenda, God's good news is for you. Second person we're going to look at is Peter. And Peter's story is a hard story on Good Friday. Peter's story is one where he was all in with Jesus. We talked about this on Friday. He was ride or die, right? Even up to the point where they go to arrest Jesus, Peter grabs a sword, right? And Mike Tyson-esque just goes and slices off a guy's ear. It's like, all in, right? This is the brave heart scene, right? We're going to do this, Jesus. I'm with you. And Jesus tells him, I need you to stand down, Peter. And, and, and Peter's switch flips. He wanted to fight for Jesus, but Jesus' agenda wasn't that Peter would fight or that anyone would fight. Instead, victory would come through his sacrifice. And he had told Peter this. In the Gospels, he said, Peter, I'm going to die. And Peter's response was, stop talking that way, Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus, in love, had to tell him, get behind me, Satan. Because if I don't do this, God's agenda God's plan can't come in full effect. So Jesus gets taken away, and then on Good Friday, Peter has his moment of failure. Where he starts denying Jesus over and over and over again. And in the Gospel of John, we read that the last time that someone comes up to uh, Peter to ask, don't you hang out with him? Peter says, no, And he looks at Jesus. And he remembers that Jesus had told him what was going to happen, and he just breaks. If you've ever felt like a failure, if you ever know that you have failed, that you have face-planted, that God wanted you to do one thing and you did the other, Good Friday and Easter is for you. But even then, there's good news The end of the story doesn't happen on Good Friday. So Peter comes running. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. The other disciple is the one Jesus loved. He's John. We'll talk about him in just a moment. Both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over. He looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. That's very Peter-esque, right? Peter is head first. I'm going back in. There may be some small chance of redemption here. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and he believed. But they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Something happened. Peter knows something happened. But he doesn't fully understand it yet. And and certainly, in in ancient Jewish culture, they believed there was life even after death, but it wasn't physical life anymore. So Jesus was doing something. Something was up. Peter didn't understand. But there was a promise that God had made Peter. In fact, there was a statement that he had said. But I've prayed for you. This is before the betrayal. Simon, that you, your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Why is this such good news? 
on the night that Jesus was betrayed, before they betrayed him, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you're going to mess up. Peter, you're going to fail. But when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Why is that good news? Because every single person in this room has failed. Me at the front of the line. Differently, uniquely, we've all had our denial moments. And yet, our God says, when you turn back, you're still a part of my agenda. When you turn back, the good news is still for you. When you turn back, you are still useful and can be a blessing to my community and what I am doing for you. Those words start to reverberate in Peter's mind. And that brings us to later in that evening, the agenda of Jesus. Verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and he says, peace be with you. This is the first moment that Peter sees Jesus back alive. And what does Jesus tell him? Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, Peter. And with that, he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, for if you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He says, y'all, the agenda of the kingdom of God, the heartbeat of it, is learning to forgive. And it starts with God's forgiveness to us. And so Peter hears, in that moment, even though you have failed, you are not a failure. Even though you denied me, I will not deny you, and I am bringing you back into my kingdom. And you still get to take part of my agenda. That is the good news, that is the exclamation point in Peter's life on Easter. This then brings us to the last disciple, John. Scripture refers to him as the one who Jesus loved. He's the writer of the book of John. John was Jesus' best friend. They hang out together, they laugh together. From an earthly perspective, no one probably knew Jesus better than John. And his Good Friday was watching, yes, his Messiah, yes, his hero, yes, the one he was putting all of his trust in, but was watching his best friend go to the cross. Was watching his best friend be rejected for loving people. Watching his best friend have to say, can you take care of my mom? Because I'm not going to be around here the same way anymore. That was John's Good Friday, but the good news is that Good Friday is at the end of the story for John. No, Easter comes. He's with Peter when Jesus shows back up. And then John spends the rest of his life walking around and saying, God has an exclamation point for you as well. God has an agenda for you as well. Not only is God your hero, not only is God your Messiah, but God wants to teach you a new way of living. He writes the Gospel of John. He writes the epistles, John 1, 2, and 3, letters to the church describing who his God is. 
I just want to read through a little bit about that. That's John, First uh, John chapter 4. And just hear these words. Hear his expression of how he would see the world. First John 4, 7 and following. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? For love comes from God. For everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God doesn't know God because, and this is one of those key verses, God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, not that we built a ladder to him, not that we found a way to connect to him, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, Acts Church Leander, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us that spirit that he breathed on them on that first day. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior, the superhero of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we rely on the love God has for us, for God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. John spends the rest of his life proclaiming, preaching, teaching people to love because his best friend taught him. Because his best friend was willing to sacrifice himself. He says, you want to know how much God loves you? This much. You want to know how powerful your God is? Even this much couldn't kill him. Or it couldn't keep him dead. No, life would overcome the grave And that life would then start here and now. That our lives would be marked with love. The exclamation point for John on Easter was that his best friend had done it. His best friend had transformed reality. And so he ends his gospel with these words. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the superhero, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life that starts here and now, and that ends in eternity. Life that no matter how much you've ever felt like an outsider, life that brings you into his community. Life that no matter how many times you failed, being a failure does not define you. And when you're in despair, when you, when you see a broken world, right, for John it was watching his best friend die. For you maybe it's when you turn on the news, or when you get a text message, or a note from the doctor, that death isn't even the end. And that new life, a life of love and of compassion and of God's agenda is for you and for your family and he is inviting you to participate. Would you pray with me? Acts Church. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you 
some of us feeling like the outsider. Like we don't deserve it. Like there's, there's too much baggage in our back rear view mirror. Lord, and, and for those of us there, Lord, we know that you come as a God who says, you are invited into my agenda. You are invited into my community. There is nothing that you can do that will separate you from my love. Lord, and for those of us who have failed, Lord, who have denied you, who have not lived according to the love that you have given to us, Lord, we are bold to confess because your word says that we are forgiven in Christ. So we are absolved. We are no longer called to carry that. And Father, Lord, like John, who saw in despair the world's worst, Lord God, Easter proves that your beauty and your strength and your agenda transcends the brokenness here on earth and does something beautiful with it. Lord, and if you're faithful on Good Friday, you're going to be faithful on Easter 2023 and into eternity. Lord God, this Resurrection Sunday, Lord, I pray that you again breathe your new life into us. Lord, that you give us spaces to encounter you Lord, and, and to proclaim the good news to others who feel like outsiders or failures or in despair, to let them know that your agenda is still in full force. Lord God, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We're now going to go into a time of communion where we encounter God and we actually experience Good Friday and Easter all in one, where on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took bread, he broke it, and he said, take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Same way also after the supper, he took the cup, and when he given thanks, he said, drink of it all of you, this cup is my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you to come forward as we continue our worship in the Lord's Supper.